Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is Pastor Chris Pleckenpole, and I am so glad that all of you are here. And one of the things that we love, especially if you are new, is questions or our questions. In fact, if you have a question, just this number will be on the screen for the entire uh, service, but uh, we would love for you to either uh, text on the, the chat beneath whatever platform you're watching on, whether that's YouTube uh, Twitch or Facebook, or uh, you could just text us here and we will answer that in a one of my Pastor Plex podcasts this week. I'd love to get your feedback on that. Now, this morning we are in this series called uh, Gather, Group, Grow, and Go, and it's based off um, our process. Uh, we've said last week that uh, the purpose statement of our church is to love God, love people, make disciples. It is that simple. That's what Jesus calls us to do with our life. And since we know that the mission has a church, uh, the church doesn't have a mission. That is our mission. And we want to make that very, very clear so that everybody knows when they come to be about this church, we're all about loving God, loving people, and making disciples. But we have a process that helps us do that. And we've sort of gone over this. It's gather, and we primarily do that on Sunday mornings, uh, then group, and we primarily group through our community groups, and then grow. And we've said we primarily grow through our discipleship groups where we just really hit one another with God's Word in a powerful way, and then we go. We take the message, we take the hope, we take all the training we have, and we go to our, uh, go local, and we go global to reach the whole world with the message of hope that Jesus came. He died on that cross so that you could have life, and He rose from the dead so you would be with Him forever. And it's that hope that we pin our whole lives on. And so, um, I, that's really the heart, but I feel like the transition points between all those places, it, I think in theory, everyone's like, yeah, gather, group, grow, go. That makes sense. The, the problem is the transition. How do I get from gathering on a Sunday on, uh, on social media to actually meeting somebody or getting my hands on somebody? And I think that's been something that's been stressing people out. And we've got a plan for that and how to get people actually in person. So we're really excited about that. Uh, just stay tuned uh, for that. Um, but then beyond that, here's the biggest problem I see church, whenever people whine to me about churches, even about our churches, all right, our churches, our church. Here's the biggest problem everybody has everywhere. I can't figure out how to get connected. That's it. People tell me they've left church after church after church because they went to the church, they felt invisible at that church, and for some reason they couldn't get connected. And then they go to, to a smaller church, maybe they're going to try a smaller church, and then to a smaller church, eventually they're at a church where it's at somebody's living room. And I think at times people say, I still don't feel connected. And I think if there's one thing we want you to do, like listen to me, um, we want to connect you. We literally have a pastor whose primary role is to connect people. He is the connections pastor. Joseph Aiken uh, is our connections pastor, and he, he literally will pay for food to show up at your place of work, at your house. He'll pay for coffee, and it will magically show up wherever you are, and he will meet with you virtually. He will do whatever he needs to do to connect with you personally. And listen, if you don't like Joseph, come talk to me. I would do whatever we possibly can to get you connected. But isn't it true that the reason why uh, you may have left whatever the last church you're at, uh, maybe this is the reason why you're here, is you couldn't figure out what the secret sauce was to get on the inside. It feels a little bit like high school. Do you guys remember high school? Like how many for you high school was like torture? 
like when you think high school, you want to punch me. Like, oh, oh we're going there. Okay, prison rules. I, I, we'll t- we'll. And you're, right, you're writing like little emoji F-bombs or something across uh, the uh, screen at me because you're like, don't take me back there because that's exactly what it feels like. It is so hard to figure out how to get in and feel like I'm a part of something. And isn't it true, once you found your in crowd, like there was not a lot of uh, shifting around to different groups. It's like you need a passport to enter into like a different group of people because once you had your group at the lunch table, there was like entrance permitted. Uh, you were allowed in, but once you were in, you better not want to leave. And if you go over there, we're going to talk about you. That, that's sort of how high school went. And I wonder if like that's how people feel about church. And listen, um, at least in high school, or maybe it was in college, or maybe for me it was the military, like there was a common mission. Um, at college, it was to get the education. High school was just probably to survive, right? In college, you were trying to get an education. In the military, we were trying to prepare for our nation's wars, and so we had a lot of common things that sort of broke down barriers between people. But when it comes to church, and listen, I, I know that my heart would be that your like whole life is all about gospel sharing and letting people know more about Jesus. But when it when you don't know people, or when like maybe you've always sort of felt like you've been on the outside, it feels a little hard to break in. And then what happens is, because you felt a little bit rejected, you don't prioritize relationships, and then all of a sudden you get busy trying to figure out yourself, trying to work on yourself. And um, I've been trying to figure out why people resist community group, because it's clear that people do. Because our attendance, it, like, let's say it's a 300 on a Sunday, only about 180 people are going to show up to a community group. There's about 40% of people who are like, nah, I'm good. I don't need community. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I think here's some reasons, right? We resist community group uh, because we're busy working on ourselves. Listen, there is a lot of stuff we got to do. We got a lot of priorities. Listen, there, are, there is stuff going on, and there are people trying to work it out. And listen, I've got work things to do. I've got... Uh, practices to get to. I've got a lot of priorities. And then when I feel a little bit on the outside, I can make any excuse for me to be a little bit more busy working on my own thing. Because I appreciate that you have that thing, but clearly it wasn't meant for me. At least that's what we tell ourselves. Or how about this? Um, You don't want to do community because you don't want to be around those people. Whatever, those, whatever you have in your mind about those people, maybe um, they're the overly churchy people, maybe they're super spiritual people, maybe you're like, if I go around those, I, just, I am tired of those people, and um, they won't get me, they won't understand me, and so you prejudge them, and so you've decided in your head that you're probably not going to like them, uh, or maybe you've been to a community group once or twice, you're like, yeah, not for me. And what you would say is, there's nothing that those people can do for me which is fair. We live in a consumeristic society and you come to church for religious goods and services and I appreciate that. And what happens is you go to that group and that group did not provide you with religious goods and services that you were hoping for and so you move on to another group or you go back to just working on yourself because you can do it a lot better on your own. Thank you very much. Or, or maybe the, this is a reason. Um, we're afraid of being judged. Like, listen, when you get from a, a group of several hundred to a group of several ones, it can get a little bit intimidating. 
And again, all those high school fears, all those click fears of like, I probably don't belong here. These people probably don't want me here. All the things, all the lies you've got going on in your head just play on repeat. And then all of a sudden, you've talked yourself out again from showing up the one place that people are probably going to love you better than you've ever been loved before. And so um, my heart, listen, listen, can we just get to what my heart is? I, I want, I want, as a pastor, I want you to grow. And what we've found is that people grow best in circles over rows. Rows being like on a Sunday morning where you're lined up and you're just like hearing me flap my gums. You're sitting right there on your couch and you're probably going to tune in for about five minutes. Your kids can come and start screaming. You're going to go fix something. You're gonna, something's going to distract you. And so all of a sudden, there is this inability for you to even focus for this time. And so what I'm hoping for is that you can listen long enough with my pleading for you that the life change that you've been searching for is within grasp, within reach. But it's going to take you making yourself available and showing up. So um, I wanted to really make the case really for, uh, for community groups uh, this morning. And uh, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be in uh, God's Word. And at Colossians 3, I, I, I outlined the whole chapter for you because I know cause everyone loves outlines because I, I love outlines. And um, verses 1 through 4 talks about setting our minds on things above, uh, which you're like, okay, what's that have to do with community group? We'll let you know. Don't worry. And then the next 5 through 11 is putting to death idolatry and anger toward others. Then 12 through 17 is putting on Christ's character in dealing with others. And then uh, verses 18 through 25 is all the different relationships of wives and husbands, children and dads, slaves and masters. But primarily, uh, this is spoken to the church. And what Paul is doing, he's telling them, if you want to be a person who grows, this is how it's going to happen. And then you're going to see the fruit of that experienced in these relationships specifically. But church church. And it wasn't like he was church talking to the, a church of thousands. He was talking to a church that met in houses. And he's saying, listen, this is how it's going to grow. So that's where I want to take us this morning. So um, if you wouldn't mind praying with me, let's ask God uh, to speak to us this morning and really just open up our hearts um, to receive what he has for us. God, thank you. Uh, for your work and for what you are doing in and through us. God, I'm praying that your grace would be sufficient. Father, I'm praying that you would do a great work in us and through us. God, would you speak to me? Would you put um, all my defenses down, all the barriers that I have that I've kind of, you know, I've got the same issues as everybody else, God. And so I just pray that um, as your word goes forth, I could be on the receiving end just like somebody else right on the other side of that screen. Help me so that somebody might hear and say, I'm going to get involved where God wants me to go and take the next step on my spiritual journey. We love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. So Colossians 3, we're going to start at verse 1. And this is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church at Colossae, hence uh, the term Colossians. It was for the Colossian church. Uh, and he's going to write about what it is to grow and be a Christian. So listen to this. If then, and I love that there's a then here. 
you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, see at the right hand of God. And whenever you read then, you have to immediately assume there's something before this that we sort of needed to know. And so let me take you back to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, there was an issue that people were judging one another, like the very thing you're afraid of. See, I told you Christians do. Yeah, of course they do, right? Like this is, they're people, right? But they're people that are need to be transformed. And this church had to be a little bit admonished on this subject. So therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. So when it comes to what your diet is, when it comes to what you're putting in your body, stop worrying about it. And then he's going to go on from like, like, as if you could accomplish a, a holier you by what you eat or don't eat, by what you drink or don't drink. Like all the fasting, if I just fast. I mean, got, people back then were really into fasting. They'd say, mm, I've, I've been fasting for 24. How about you? Oh yeah, 24? At least uh, 36 by now, 37. And then you'd have like this sense of competition and people think if I could just achieve. And that is how pagans do religion. It's achievement oriented, okay? So it wasn't just food and drink. It was uh, also uh, festivals and religious holidays. Well, and you know, remember they're in Colossae. So one of the festivals would be like, hey, did you go to Jerusalem um, a couple months ago? Yeah, I did. Uh, two times. How many times you been? Oh, one. Yeah, you get there. Like there is this reality that they kind of looked at religious festivals as like this great pilgrimage. And although it could be really awesome experience, it was like the notch in the belt they were looking at so to sort of prove their religious worth. And Paul's like, come on. This is the stuff we got away from. Remember Jesus on the cross? He paid it all. He did all the work. There's no more work left to do. And even the Sabbath day, he's like, listen, you're making arguments about the Sabbath. Listen, to some people, every day is a Sabbath. To one, some people, one day is a Sabbath. Stop making that the issue. The issue is, what did Jesus do for you? It, it's kind of like this. Um, you ever met a person that's like on a diet and all they talk about is their diet? And then they, they put in like the very end, like, I'm just looking to be healthy. And you're like, you're psycho right? And what happens is if you do that with religion, you're not set free, you're put into bondage. Do you see that? When, when your relationship with Jesus doesn't result in more freedom, and it kind of creates this thing of like, I've got to do because I've got to earn, I've got to somehow um, become pleasing to God so that I might achieve a higher religious status, what you've done is abandoned the faith and you've said, I want another religion because you're not practicing Christianity. And so that was what chapter two is. So he's saying like, so if then, if then you've been raised with Christ. In other words, your, your hope isn't in anything you have done. You've put your sole hope on what Jesus did and he rose from the dead and you're clinging on to him as he ascends into heaven. That's your hope. Uh, seek the things that are above heavenly things, where Christ is, see at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died. In other words, there's no amount of achievement you could do that's going to earn you anything. You, You are dead. Dead people can't achieve. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. All The only work that you can have is Christ's achievement. Have I pounded that 
Am, am I pounding here? I'm hoping that the horse is dead. Your only achievement that you can have is in Christ alone. So nobody really cares about all the religious achievements you've, you've got, all the little uh, Bible drill awards. That Those are awesome things. But if you're kind of looking at that to sort of like, here's how, the proof that I have arrived, you are missing it. And he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. So in other words, um, a Christian's growth is not based on individual achievement, which this should be for great hope for a lot of us. Because uh, left to my own devices, I binge Netflix. Okay, left to my own devices, um, I am going to be uh, stuck in. Eventually, I'm going to give up after I like break my streak of like 150 times in a row in the Bible. Then I'm just not going to read the Bible for forever because I'm like, whatever, because it doesn't even matter. I lost my streak. That's what happens to people that get so focused on individual achievement. Now, okay, so what do I do about that? And this is where I'm like, hey, the answer is always going to be community group today. And here it is. Here it is. It's it's this. Um, Community group is a place where you go where people get you. And, and here's what I mean by this. Um, now that I'm a pastor, like community group is another place that I do church. And it's kind of like I do church all day long. But when I was in the military and I was like normal church person, just like a lot of you are, I would go to work and it would feel like my, all my oxygen, my spiritual oxygen would be uh, just all the porn and all the language and all the talking bad about you know, different people and all that stuff would just sort of like pollute my soul. And for a moment, I get to community group when I would go, back in my military days, I would just be like, oh my gosh, these are my people. And it was so like life-giving because I needed other people who understood what it was to live in a world that was so polluted by darkness and people grasping on for hope in, in their little mini achievements, whether it was uh, a girl they picked up or um, a new deal that they had just made. I longed to be around people whose hearts were and affections were stirred up by that, what Jesus had done for them. And so uh, this is what's important, though, because you, you're not going to... What I want to make sure you understand is that you don't grow through... Um, individual effort. In fact, I made this chart, and I don't know, I might have to post this somewhere so you guys can see it better, but I put up here God's Word, God's people, and God's Spirit, okay? And what I, I love about this chart is it's like my, I love Venn diagrams, by the way, if you didn't know that, I love them. So what happens, this is how you grow, having all three of these things. And so if you've got God's word and only God's spirit, but you don't have God's people, you end up becoming a monk and you become isolated from people, okay? If you only have God's word and God's people, you become the Christian clique that you dreaded from high school, right? And you have no one's experiencing reaching out to anybody new, following God's calling of the Holy Spirit. If you just have God's spirit, you know, and God's people, separated somehow from God's word, which makes them just really fun people uh, that are, have very do spirited things. Uh, you have fun camp, which is great, which is great. And you can have a lot of great times, but the reality is it's, you're missing the moral premise and the hope that is in the gospel. Now, I want to focus just today really on needing God's people because you need God's people. A bunch of years ago... Um, people um, thought that if they just left the world, uh, monks did this, like tr real monks. They, back in the um, 
300s, monasticism sort of took off as the world was so polluted by darkness uh, and sin and hopelessness. And although Christianity was legal, it just became cool, right? And so they were like, there is no difference between the world and Christianity. I'm out. And so what they did is they sort of left all the people behind and they just would go and pray and talk to God and they would get really holy. But you know what happened? They missed out on God's people. But everybody thought they were really spiritual. And I'm going to show you why. That ain't true. Watch this. Because this is going to get into why community is so great and what it ultimately is going to do for you. Watch what Paul says in uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Look at this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, And he's going to go off some kind of naughty things. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire. We're talking like, you know, I want something that's not mine. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Idolatry. This is, and if you kind of notice, these are all in like the sexual flavor of sin. Because here, and if you know this, if you're a person that's addicted to porn, if you experience anything in porn, porn isn't about sex, it's about power. It's about, I want somebody to never reject me. I want to be worshiped for who I am. I don't have to change. I can be whoever I want. And that person's going to be devoted to me to do whatever I want. Sick and twisted perversion of what God made really, really good. But that's sort of what happens when sin corrupts that which God made good. We become self-idolaters. We, we make ourselves our own little mini-God. Okay, so, so that, that's bad, right? And it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming, to which everyone in, the, in, you know, in your head, like, wrath of God? We don't talk about the wrath of God. We're not... Chris, did nobody brief you? We are in Austin, Texas. We don't talk about wrath of God in Austin, Texas. I didn't get the memo until just now. Sorry, but let me just explain the wrath of God. Like God's justice, when we pervert that which he has made perfect in his design, it comes on you've destroyed and you've corrupted other people who he has made in his image. So therefore he gets upset when you hurt his children. When they get Sex trafficked, it makes him upset that you would mess with one of his kids, and so therefore the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked. I'm just going to go on a limb to say if you're a man watching this, you've probably taken part in some sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You've been fully engaged in that, and which is why when Paul writes this, in these two you once walked. And I'm, and I'm going to go as far as say, women too. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. You were living for you. And then he's going to shift. But now, but now, you're different. You must put those, all those things away. Anger. So we're going from like sexual sin to like the sin of pride. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to each other. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. And maybe the problem is you didn't know. That you are being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You're being transformed. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And then, and you're being remade in the image of the creator. And then, now I love this next part. And he says, here, here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. 
but Christ is all and in all. And what he's saying here, if you don't know what a Scythian is, it's just sort of like a, um, a proper name for a barbarian type person. Like they were sort of a little crazy. But listen, he's saying, here, where's here? Paul's not writing this in Colossae. He's writing this from a prison cell. He's not talking about here in my prison cell that isn't uh, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. No, no, he's saying that here in the church where you rub up against one another, where the people, where they're gonna, the things in you that come out are gonna be drawn out, but here you don't act like that. Here you put your pride aside. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek or a Jew. If you're like, I'm not a Jew. I'm not like believing in crazy miracles. Or you're not a Greek going like, I don't do, I'm not a, or if you're a Greek and you go, I don't do, I'm wise, I'm smart. Or Jew says, I believe in the Bible for crying out loud. I've got, I'm special, chosen people, not chosen people. That all that goes away when you're in Christ. There's no, there's no room for pride. So look at this. I want you to see this. Christian groups deal Community groups, community groups deal with our idolatry and pride expressed in word and deed. Um, because as we said, the world's going to take its toll on you. And community group is a place where you go to sort of um, be reminded that those people aren't you and that, you, you know, because you, you, they rub off on you. You rub off on them, but you get a lot more. It feels like rubbed onto you, and all of a sudden you go home, and then you get lit up with anger, don't you? Um, okay, okay. Um, and I know that this is probably no one at our houses have experienced this. I know that you guys are above this, but can we go somewhere for a second? Um, I have a five-year-old, and my five-year-old will sometimes look at my three-year-old or my seven-year-old, or me, or mommy, and say, you make me so mad! And that's because, you know, we told him we had to brush his teeth, go to bed, you know, not hit his brother, right? Like, that, it, it, any myriad of things causes, like, temper tantrum, and he says, you make me so mad. Now, what's, what's, you're like, well, that's a five-year-old, of course he is, but the problem is, I've counseled 55-year-olds who said, you make me so mad. In fact, what I try to, and this is why I do this in marriage counseling, what I try to explain is that um, the mad was already in you. Because what happens is the world will shake you up. I mean, you're at the office all day. I mean, those people can be like jerks at the office. And you're just a little frustrated, right? And you're just like, I don't know if I can handle that. And it's like, you know, that, the anger kind of brews up. And then all of a sudden you get home and, you know, it's not that uh, your spouse said something particularly mean, but you sort of took it the wrong way. And all of that anger and all of that rage and all that malice sort of stored up is inside of you. And finally she goes, ah, and it explodes. That's how you know we're doing this live. All right, so uh, 
But so there is this, you know, I promise, honey, I'm gonna, I'll clean this. Okay, so what happens is that the anger and the rage that is sort of like inside you, it's not that someone made you mad, it's someone just tapped the can and exploded all the stuff that was inside you. Every time, no one has the ability to make you mad. But rather, trigger the thing that's been inside you all along and desperately you need to have a, a reminder of the hope that is in you. You need, you need a group of people that say, put to death, therefore, what is evil and dark. Put away the anger, the rage, the malice, the slander, the filthy language from your lips. You need, you need help there. And that's why a community group allows those relationships. That's why the first thing he talks about after this, he said, listen, in the community of faith, you got to teach one another, admonish one another, and then wives and husbands, you're going to get along way better if you start to deal with that. Okay, so, and, and here's also, here's what happens too. Watch, right? Because what happens is when you get into, let's say you have an explosion like that and things get sticky because I'm starting to stick to the floor. What happens is um, you and your spouse don't want to come. In fact, you've, had, you've done this. There's been a night where you're going to go to community group and you had the whole thing planned out. You literally are in the car. You're about to go in and you're, the fight breaks out and you're like, I'm not going in there because we are going to look a certain way. And you resisted the very thing that might have brought healing, that might have calmed the soul because you were so angry. And I don't want to be exposed. Okay, okay. So isolation, look at this, listen to me. Isolation always leads to self-worship. It leads to things of, if I can just be disciplined enough, then I'll have joy again. And then, what, what community does for you, it does two things, sorry. Community does two things for it. It allows people to love you, and everybody needs to feel that love. You need to go to somewhere where like people get you and they understand what it's like to go to a workplace that isn't full of people loving Jesus all day. But then more than that, you need to go to a place that allows other people to let you down so that you can love them and then you can practice. You get to practice forgiving people so that you can, when it's game time with the spouse, you don't blow up. Watch this. Look at this. How do we practice? Look at this. Look at this. Uh, verse 12. Put on then, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Are you hearing that? Put on all these things. Before you um, meet up with your spouse, put on all this stuff. And where are you going to get reminded of that stuff during the week? Your community group says, I want to remind you to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then you're, you're praying for each other so you can bear with one another. Because it's hard. And isn't it great that in a community group you can practice that? You get to practice real time what is to forgive people. So, and in fact, the, this forgiveness thing, how are you supposed to react to people? Community group action is uh, to react uh, with this. And so you forgive. And then above all these, you put on love. So that's your reaction is forgiveness. And then your initiation is love. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. 
and be thankful. Be thankful. No, 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 be thankful. In the midst, when you feel the tension rising, you're going to overcome it with love. I, I, no, I get it. And that's where you, when you overcome it with love, it pushes down the anger, the rage, the malice, the slander, the filthy language from your lips, and it starts to envelop this thing of love. What are you talking about? How does that happen? Watch. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You've got to have that word hidden in your heart. Teaching and admonishing one another. When you go to a community group, one of the things that we do is that we get into a little smaller group. You have the big group time, then you have smaller group time, and then we, we talk about what's going on in our life. And every now and then, when you start talking about your spouse, what happens is usually you start saying, I know I'm not doing this well. In fact, I had uh, uh, Robert um, Sass and I, we were talking about our wives uh, today, actually, because we're in a community group together, and uh, he goes, he talked, here's what I want to do for my wife. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing for mine. I'm going to make sure date night is a priority this week. And he's like, I'm going to text you later on to let you know uh, that I've done the thing I'm going to do for Debbie. And I'm like, awesome, that is so great. That, watch that. That is like teaching and admonishing one another to love. And everybody needs that. Okay, and so that's why you teach, you're going, you're constantly using the word of God with people. And then with God, you're singing. You're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This, this is part of the, the word, the community group word that we want to hide deep down in our hearts. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, Christian groups, community groups, forgive and love in word and deed. I love that. I, I feel like um, this is what we desperately need. We need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn how to love. And it happens by rubbing up against one another. As iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another, that's what happens. And you're like, no, I don't want someone to judge me. No, listen, no one's going to judge you. No one's going to say there, oh my gosh, you're that big of a moron. No, what they do is like, listen, here's my life. I'm as much of a mess up as you. And what I want you to see is the Holy Spirit's been working on me. And I understand when I get shaken, when I get shaken, and the stuff seems to keep shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking, and all of a sudden when it opens now, nothing explodes. And instead of exploding and causing a great big sticky disaster, you become refreshment. That's what happens to you as you live out this thing of community. Because the patience inside you is going to grow. And listen, your, your ability to do patience with people is going to grow. I, I know there's a ton of people that, um, that I've met, and over time, they may have been like a, you know, a little emotionally fringy or like unstable. One guy, I think, was a little twitchy. He always carried a weapon on him, and I was always just a little nervous, right? Like, he might pull it out and never know what could happen. And, I, and then over time, as... I just start to love him in word and deed, my heart followed. And then all of a sudden I was ministering to him out of an overflow of love and compassion because I had to put that on. And you know what happened? He changed. Like the stuff that was in me, the stuff that he was still married and still had marital issues, but 
it didn't end explosively. And after we talk, he would be refreshed. And what would happen is, I'll never forget they said, listen, thank you so much for just loving me. I've never felt that before. So that even as he moved on uh, to another state, uh, he made sure on the day that he left, he said, I just wanted to call you and thank you uh, for what you've meant to me and my family. Because when you're willing to go the extra mile with people and you start to love them, even when it's difficult, even when it's a little scary, even when it doesn't feel right, but you're trusting what God is doing, the Holy Spirit, and you gather the community around people, it is life changing and refreshment and souls get filled So my question for you this morning is what's preventing you from joining a community group? No, 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 really. What's, what's preventing you from saying, listen, I'm going to make Jesus at the center and I'm going to engage the body of Christ and I'm going to trust that me showing up is all I really need to do and the work of God's word, God's spirit, and God's people are going to change me. And so you're saying, okay, Chris, I'm in, I'm in. How do I get involved? I want you to email us. Uh, email either joseph at wellsbranchchurch.com. Email james at wellsbranchchurch.com. Email info at wellsbranchchurch.com. If you put any email somewhere, we will jump on this email, all right? You can email me, chris at wellsbranchchurch.com. I would love to follow up. Our community group pastor, though, is James. Uh, Foster, James at wellsbranchchurch.com. We want you to get involved, whether it's online or it's in person. We have a group for you where you're at, and we would love for you to participate and watch your life transform because everybody wants to grow. And everybody needs it. In fact, um, this beautiful thing of experiencing the body of Christ is really powerful because ultimately what... Uh, Jesus wanted for us was to live as one. In fact, um, the night he was betrayed, Jesus, he took bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And what we do when we do that, we're saying, um, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and my soul feeds on you, Jesus, like my stomach feeds on this bread. Like my hope, my heart is here with you and I'm trusting that your word, your spirit, and your people are gonna make me more like your son. And that same night, Jesus took the cup and he said something pretty dramatic. He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all that whoever believes in me would have eternal life. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as he um, passed that cup and they drank, there was this moment of connection of understanding that their sins were paid for and that the joy of Jesus was theirs. And they had a relationship and connection to the Father and that God had an incredible plan for them, that Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And so um, what I want to do this morning is we're going to pray and we're going to take some time to just reflect. And the question I want you to ask is what's preventing you from joining a community group? And uh, we're going to have a prayer time. And maybe it, you email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com and you simply go, hey, 
I want my prayer is that I would get in a community group and we would connect you into a community group. And you would start to experience real life. And there'd be real transformation. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, uh, all this just sounds like a bunch of what? I just want you to know that Jesus came and he loves you and he died on the cross for your sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's coming back. And if you have faith in what he did for you on that cross, you will have eternal life. And he made a plan for you to become more like him using his word, his spirit, and his people. And if you trust his plan for you, it will go so well. So we're going to do something. We're going to pray. We're going to confess sin for about 30 seconds or so, and then we're going to take communion together. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word and for uh, the power of your spirit. And thank you so much for your people. And I'm praying that um, right now, as someone is sitting on their couch, maybe holding their wife's hand saying, I, I want to do that community group thing. And they would email, text, anything. God, uh, for someone sitting on their computer, AirPods in, thinking I probably need to do that, but I don't know when I'd have time. Lord, would you just convict them to do it right now? Lord, you want your people not to be in isolation. You made us for community. You are a communal God. You are three in one. And so God, I pray that everybody would understand it's not good for man to be alone. It's not just a marriage thing, Father. It's something you designed for us that we would live in community. So God, I pray that all over uh, the city, all over the country, wherever this is being seen, people would say, I want to get involved in a community. Please do that work, Lord. Uh, we need your help, Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm praying that somebody doesn't know you. They'd take their trust from themselves and they put it on to you, not based on any work that they could do, but based on all the work that you have done. And then take the next step of letting us know so we could help them get plugged deeper into community. And God, I pray that for someone who's been at church for forever and they've been in and out and they just said, it's not really my thing and I'm just frustrated and they give it another try and say, God, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for the good of your calling and I trust your design and I know ultimately this is going to be for my good and I'll just simply do it for your glory just to be um, in obedience to your word, to get around people, to practice the love one another's, the forgive one another's. God, help us to do that. We love you, Lord. And Lord, as we take time to just take 30 seconds or so to confess, repent sin, you just bring to mind and we just give it to you, Lord. And people would be emailing us or texting us whatever the struggles they're having and we'd be able to meet them right where they're at. Thank you, Jesus, for being you. Amen. I want you to simply just confess your sin to